Welcome to the Sarah Centrella Show. Join best-selling author, master life coach, and manifesting expert Sarah Centrella as she shares tips, tools, and inspiring interviews to help you create your dream life. It's time to hustle and thrive. Now, here's your host, Sarah Centrella. All right, everybody, welcome to the show. I am so excited for today's conversation. Um, if you follow me on social, you've already been hearing me like geek out hardcore about today's guest. Um, and I've read her book twice, I've listened to it on Audible, tiny bit obsessed, little fangirl here. Um, so welcome to the show, Jennifer Pastelap. I'm so excited. Hi, Thanks I'm for so being excited here. to be here. Thank yes. you. I am so, so excited because, like I said, I've kind of read your book multiple times at this point, and I've related to so much of it. Um, we have so many kind of parallel things that have happened in, in my life, as, as some of my followers know, um, that I really resonated with you. But what I'm really excited to get into today is uh, some of the stuff that you talk about, about how you were able to really take some of the tragedies that had happened in your life and turn them into literally not, not just your calling, but like your career and everything that's come after. So for those of, of our listeners who don't know, can you tell us a little bit about your backstory um, and kind of, you know, the pivotal moment that really kind of changed everything for you? Yeah. Um, well, but first I want to tell everyone that I am, a coffee addict and <laughs> I woke up and there was no coffee in my house. Oh, so my no. husband, my <laughs> husband went out to get coffee and so he'll come in at some point and give me a cup of coffee. So if you hear a slurping or yeah. a man's voice, that is that. So my book is called on being human and, um, the, I suppose the, the pivotal, I don't know if there was a pivotal moment in, in my career or like how I ended up here, but the pivotal moment in my life really was my dad dying when I was eight years old. Mm -hmm. um, he was my best friend. He was my everything. And, um, and it was a complicated relationship. It was very much like my dad and myself and my mom and my sister, who was three years younger. <clears throat> and my dad smoked four packs of cigarettes a day, wow. menthol. Yeah, wow. like 80 cigarettes a day. And um, he also was a drug addict. <clears throat> anyway, he, um, back in the 80s, you could, there was a store across the street and he would, he could send me there to go get him a pack of cigarettes, which is hilarious. Like if you think about that now, right. like <laughs> sending your kids. No but not, not only, not only like to get the cigarettes, but to put it on our cab like so there was like a little tab but yeah. I mean it was like a literal like yeah <laughs> we'll write and you so down like, I'm clacked on payday <laughs> go go across the street and get me get a pound of American cheese a hard pack of cools and tasty cakes and um right before that he had asked me I had flushed a pack of his toy, uh, cigarettes on the toilet and he got really mad and he said I'm you're being bad and making me not feel good stop being bad go get me a pack of cigarettes. And I said, you promised you quit smoking. You always break your promises. I hate you. Ugh. And I ran out. And that's the last thing I ever said to him. And he died. Oh um, and so I was eight. And instead of 
grieving, what I did was I said, I don't care. Yeah. And I said, I am strong. Mm-hmm. And I decided that it was my fault because, you know, he said, you're being bad. So I yeah. decided I'm bad. And I decided it was my fault. He died. I killed him. And so basically I locked everything in my body. The way I describe it is I clenched my jaw and I'm just now in my forties unclenching. And, and interestingly enough or not, I have all these teeth issues. Like my teeth uh-huh. fall out and because I literally clench like so it's it's a metaphor and it's a, it's very literal you know I, I locked everything in my body and so um and then you know I never dealt with that and eventually I almost died from anorexia mm-hmm. and it, it, in the interim I'm, I'm losing my hearing so now I read lips you know I like right now I can hear you fine because it's streaming through my hearing aids mm-hmm. um but without my hearing aids I can't hear yeah so Eventually, I, I go to NYU and I start writing. I'm a poet, and my um, high school boyfriend. We stayed together. I mean, after three years of college, he broke up with me, and I had a nervous breakdown. And really, what happened was, I think it was everything about my father. I had a a, a, a complete breakdown, and so my mom had moved to California, and I decided. I wanted to take um, a semester off and be with my mom and I I was craving safety. And um, so I took a semester off that's still going on. (laughs) Right. Uh, So I never went back. I got a summer job at this restaurant in West Hollywood. Um, That summer job lasted almost 14 years. (laughs) And basically I wanted to die. I still had never dealt with eating disorder, even though I gained the weight. So yeah. like that, that's a whole other thing, you know, um, I never dealt with grief. I never dealt with, I was in denial about my hearing loss. I mean, yeah. you know, I never finished college. I hated myself, depression. I was not on medication at the time. And, um, and then I had my second breakdown. And at this point, maybe I was like 33 or 34 and I, and I went on antidepressants. So perhaps that's the pivotal moment is when I, it saved my life. And while I'm very clear, I saved my life. It, it certainly was, they allowed me to, right. you know? And so, um, I had been depressed since I was a child and the medication really helped me. And so then I became, um, I was doing a lot of yoga and I never wanted to be a yoga teacher, but once I took the meds, I saw possibility where there wasn't any. Yeah. And I thought maybe I'll just do a yoga teacher training because Maybe that'll be a way out of getting out of the restaurant. And it was, actually. Right. And I, for me, yoga was a way in for my life now. I used it. I started doing, becoming a yoga teacher and teaching these yoga workshops and getting back into my writing. And then I started combining them and really using everything that I was good at, which was people skills in the restaurant, listening, because I really, my hearing by this point is gone, but I've like taught myself how to really listen yeah. to people in other ways. Yeah. So, um, I wish more people yeah. did that, honestly, you know, I, I wish more people had that ability to kind of pay attention and, and in all, everyone the- does, everyone does that. That's, yeah. that's one of the things the other day, someone asked you, what do you wish everyone knew? And I, and I said, well, a few things. One of them is like how much we all matter. I do think we yeah. forget that, but also like anybody can listen. Now I have, to, I have to work harder because I have to read body language. I have to read lips. I have to like, you know, turn up my hearing aids, but anybody can listen. And it, yeah. sure. It's an acquired skill, 
but anybody can. And I totally think you can get better because I mean, for me, I was totally one of those people who, when I'm excited, I'll just jump right in, you know? And then I started like listening to myself when I was having conversations like, but shut up, like let somebody else talk, you know? So this format has been actually so, so good for me because I'm like, wow, I'm picking up so much more because I'm fucking listening, you know? I'm not like always having to be the one that talks. And, and it's interesting because I've made that um, a clear point, I think, in my life the last year because I knew it was something that I was not good at. And like anything, once you're aware of it and you pay attention and you try to like put some new skill sets in, in place, you can get better at it. Um, so I love it's, that. it's interesting though, because I'm like, you know, oh, I'm such a great listener. And over this past couple months, you know, I raised, um, through my Instagram chats, raised $140,000 to feed people. And I would go back and watch my chats. And I was like, I don't shut the fuck up. Oh my God. <laughs> and it's like, you know, we can always get better. Um, and I think also it's easy to be critical of ourselves. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. But I did learn that in your book, you know, I mean, that was one of the first things you really talk about is um, just how active you were and how much you paid attention to all the other things that a lot of people let slip. And it was a good reawareness for me. Um, so tell us about your inner asshole. <laughs> oh, yeah. God, the inner, the inner asshole is raging right now. The inner asshole is... Um, Everyone has one. Some yeah. of us, you know, some years it's louder, some days it's louder. Um, I do think everyone has one. And if you don't, then, you know, yeah. let's have dinner. Let's have dinner. Um, um, so I turn on Do Not Disturb, but my text came in. And actually yeah. my, um, my, um, I. Has your copy arrived? No, my, my, well, you know, I was supposed to start a virtual book tour today. And, oh. and I postponed it and uh, I didn't talk to anyone about it. I didn't tell my editor. That was my editor texting me oh, just no. now from the, from the publishing house saying, I respect your decision to do that. And I love you, but I didn't like, you know, confer with anyone. And, um, I just decided, I thought yesterday, like I, it's a perfect segue for the inner asshole because I was like, there's so much going on right now in our in our country in our world and i thought being inconvenienced is better than being dead absolutely and right now and that's what on being human is you know it's about it's not on being white it's not like about my book it's like human lives are at stake right now and so i was gonna start this um book tour and i decided to postpone it till june 9th or not at all i'm gonna play yeah. it by ear and yeah. The inner asshole is like, it's the voice that tells you you're not enough. It's the voice that's telling me because I haven't exercised in a couple months, you know, I'm a monster. It's, it's the voice that says, you know, I'm never going to write again. It's, yeah. it's the voice that tells us we're unlovable. Um, no one's going to come to our events. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, and the inner, the inner asshole brings your bullshit stories to life and your bullshit stories are like, you know, I'm not a real writer or nothing ever works out for me. And your inner asshole takes a megaphone and, and 
you know, shouts it into your, into your deaf ears. Now I, what I used to think was, you know, when I started this journey with Wayne Dyer, when I got out of the restaurant, I was like, you know, I didn't call it the inner asshole back then, but I was just like, um, I'm going to become so enlightened and I won't have an inner asshole anymore, even though I didn't call it that. And what I realized, you know, over the years doing these workshops with women and myself was that you know the inner asshole is always there so it's my my do I let it be the boss of me or not right do you think that that those voices can ever go away you know I know you talk a lot about the bullshit stories and I'm so there with you I, I think like those when they're unchecked when they just run our lives really become our belief systems which kind of drive how we act which of course drives our results and it's this little self-feeding cycle type thing um how do we change those and can they be changed i do think those voices go away and then good news new ones come (laughs) but like you know look i i think i do think i have it's a lot quieter than it was when i was in my 20s or my 30s how do we change them um well, there's not, it's not like a one, you know, it's not a one, I wouldn't say one trick pony. That's not the right expression, but it's not like a one, like, do you do this one thing and you will be free of your inner asshole? But, okay, like, for me, um, one of the things is I stop scrolling as much. Right. Because, you know, you start comparing, I do. Mm-hmm. Um starting the morning in prayer and what I mean by that is is with with quiet I call it a body prayer like so check in with my body and then listen to what it's saying um moving my body which is one of the reasons why my inner asshole so loud right now because I haven't been moving my body Mm -hmm. um pay very close attention and and really be careful who you're surrounding yourself with so that the people in your life are not um validating your bullshit stories but rather lovingly don't let you carry them so for example you know gently shake your shoulders and go no that's just not true I love you and that's not true and that's been the game changer for me over the last you know five ten years is really cultivating these friendships of people who mirror me and who reflect the best parts of me and remind me who I really am right right do you think the awareness um also helps you you know I think sometimes when we can name it or get a little separation even in our head about it where it's like I call it the bitch on my shoulder basically the same thing right and so it helps me to think of like her outside my body she's on my shoulder trying to tell me what to do and I'm like bitch you don't run the show anymore this is me but I had to really like identify what those were and be like that's just a belief system it doesn't mean it's true you know what I mean and and kind of then it helped me almost give it like a neon sign when it would come up and I'd be like oh that's you again trying to tell me what to do so if there like have you ever noticed anything like that where you can kind of get a little bit of that space or separation where where we don't have to go down the rabbit hole each time it comes up and we can kind of be like hey I see you you're not tricking me this time I'm you know I'm making it I I yeah I think that comes to practice though and also you know I've always been I've always had this issue I remember when I was really little, like after my dad died and I went to therapy, which I didn't stay with, but like people would always, my whole life, say things like, you're so self-aware. For example, 
Sarah. I, I knew I was anorexic. I wasn't in denial. And yet I didn't want to let go of it. So where I struggle is often, and I think a lot of people might resonate with this, is oftentimes I know something in my brain and like the awareness doesn't do anything. I'm like, great, I'm aware of it. I'm still feeling it. Or It's like, for example, I was talking to a friend who was crying yesterday. A guy that she didn't really want to be with, but he, he basically broke it off. And so she's feeling rejected. And, um, and it's like, she's aware she knows she knows that it's not real yeah she knows it's not personal but like somehow you still feel like something's wrong with me I'm not bad but in my brain in my brain I know so there's there's a maybe this is what you're 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 asking is like there's a gap sometimes between between comprehending something and, and having an awareness like I know that's my inner asshole but this is why I ended my book with the two words now what yeah. the, what I saw missing in my workshops over the years is like yeah somebody could name all the things and that's great and like bow down to you but then what yeah yeah you have to do something about it right or well yeah and it could be the littlest yeah. thing it can be the littlest thing but that's why I gave the example of not scrolling as much. So, so like, okay, I'm going to sleep. I'm going to put my phone in the other room when I sleep so that it's not the last thing I look at on the first thing I look at. And so it's like specific now what? Yep. I'm such a huge believer on give me action items. Just give me action items. Tell me what to do. I will do it. You know? And so that's kind of how I teach. Cause that's just like how my brain works. Like just like what you said, if I'm aware, that's one thing, but if I don't know what to do when I'm aware, then it's almost no good. Then it's almost worse. Cause it's like, not only am I feeling it, but I know I'm feeling it and I shouldn't feel it. And then it just makes me feel guilty. <laughs> like the whole thing kind of self feeds. So I'm like, I need to know what to do so that I can get out. And I love that you said not scrolling because that's a big one for me. I, people will ask me all the time, do you know who this person is? Do you know who this person is like in personal development or self-help? And I'm always like, no. <laughs> but wait, I didn't hear what you said. You love that I said who? Uh, uh, stop scrolling. Because, oh, stop scrolling. Yeah, because people will always kind of kind of give me shit a little bit because I don't know who all the players are in personal development since this is quote unquote like my space. And I'm like, dude, I don't follow anybody unless you're my personal friend, you know, unless I personally know you because otherwise I do. I get wrapped up in, oh, they're so doing funny. I don't be better than me. No one no one ever it's, I don't even know like who you mean so I'm so glad that I'm oblivious to this like I who, uh, yeah but I mean do you do you see yourself I guess that's an interesting thing is like I always want to go but I'm not in it like I remember I'm on the cover of yoga journal right now which is so funny to me because I don't identify as like a yoga teacher but I also I'm like and I'm also not in I get very much like, I'm not in any kind of box. Right, right. I'm not in any kind of category. Yeah, um, I was like that with my first book. I was so like, do not put me in self-help, put me in memoir, put me in anything. Like, I am not going to be that person. And I didn't win that battle. And eventually, I, you know, now I have two books in that category. But I had to do my own thing with it because I had a lot of negative I guess, feelings in general towards some of the old school ways of the industry. And so I was like, I don't want to be that person. 
So why don't I just be Sarah? <laughs> I love that. I love that. Like, why don't I stop thinking that I have to be this or that or do things like this? And it's hard, you know, it's not an easy thing to do, but that's something I check myself on all the time. I, I want to speak to the whole self-help thing. So I too, I mean, you read my book. And so you know that like my background is I was a poet and I, and in my head and my, I always thought, I thought I was going to end up in academia and be this like, you know, literary person. And it wasn't, I ended up a career waitress and then a yoga teacher. And even now, um, the other day I saw someone didn't like, I screenshot something that I thought was racist and I posted it. And then someone says something about me after they block me, a woman, and she goes, oh, she's just, she's just this white yoga teacher, white yoga self-help. She described me in a way that, like, yeah. I mean, I rolled my eyes. It didn't matter, but I used to be so irritated when someone, you know, said, like, Jen, the yoga person, or what you do is self-help. So when my book was about to come out, or, or when I was writing it, I was adamant, like, you know, I wanted to be in memoir, and you then after it came out and after it published, I thought, boy, do I wish I'd been in self <laughs> And I realized because the, because the, the revelation I realized after so many people read it was that it did really help people. And maybe yeah. that would have been a category that it was in that would have, it would have gotten in more hands. And, and the epiphany I had was that it didn't matter. Yeah. It didn't matter. And that, yeah. It was just beautiful. It was a beautiful revelation to have that. It didn't matter what category it was in. It didn't. And my, it was my ego that was like, but I want, I want to be this. And I want people to see me like that. Yeah. It's so, it's such an interesting thing. It's like, and you had mentioned this in your book as well. And I was like, oh good. I'm not the only one because I came to writing and life coaching, kicking and screaming. I was like, nope, nope, nope. Like I'm going to be a corporate person. I'm going to get a real job, whatever. And, and I just write on the side and a little bit of my background. I was homeschooled. So I was like 15. So it essentially taught myself to read and write and it's a mess. Like I get so much shit because I have no grammar skills. I can't, I can barely spell my own last name. Like it's kind of this ongoing joke. Right. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I started as a blog blogger and I was like, I'm putting it out there anyway, but I would not claim that I'm a writer. Like that just seemed like a category I was never, <laughs> never going to be in. And it was, I don't think I even claimed it until maybe a year after my first book was published and it was traditionally published. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. I wrote a book, but I'm not a writer, you know, and I had to kind of change that. I'm working on my memoir now to even be able to start being better. I feel like, you know, I had to, right. I had to stop deflecting a word that to me, I felt like, I guess I wasn't good enough to be in the category, you know, and well that, yeah. And that's a bullshit story. And that exactly. That's say, those stories, they really like hinder our potential. <laughs> so much I, they they absolutely do and and gone unchecked they can hinder your life yeah because if you i mean imagine if you let that belief perpetuate you might never finish this memoir yep. because that story the bitch on your shoulder every morning is gonna go who do you think you are you're not a real writer you're self-help you're a podcast you're a, you know Which, it's taken me 10 years and seven tries because i'm like I, I don't write narrative i can't write narrative i can't write dialogue like that's not the type of writer i am girl you hit it on the head 
It's so true, you know? And so it's like, what have you done to change some of those stories as far as like facing them, them down to, to help you just get over it? You know, even the, even the writer piece, I know you said that that inner asshole comes up sometimes too with you as a writer. <clears throat> How'd you get over it? Or do you? Oh, <laughs> well, I don't know that I, I have a theory, you know, because of losing my dad so young that you never really get over anything is that you just figure out a way to like, get out of bed and do it so I don't necessarily I mean it's interesting because this morning I started feeling bad about myself my inner asshole um and I write notes to myself it's a really old habit I used to do it on little sticky notes and now I do it on my phone and I'm like I haven't written anything in so long I'm never gonna write again and just you know inner asshole's raging um so but the truth is you just you just get up and you start doing it and you you do it anyway you do it anyway and eventually you're doing it just gets louder than the voice, you know? Yeah. But you can start to build the confidence, right? You know, as, as I'm on my 10th iteration of writing this damn memoir, every time I'm like, well, that is a lot better than the one before. Like you actually are getting better by the practice, by doing it. The more I do it, you know, now I can go somewhere and introduce myself as a writer. I probably have only done it maybe five times in my life, but hey, five times more than I did before, you know, it's a process. Uh, that's, that's really interesting though, how like, you know, and I think about the people that look up to you and admire you and look at you and, and think like, oh, I'd love to do what she's doing or, or, or have the kind of career she's having, you know, and yet you're still um, beholden to this voice that's saying, but you're not a real writer or you're not a real whatever it is essentially saying you're not enough like yeah so what would it what would be the shift that you go i'm a writer would it be that you hit the new york times bestseller list would it be that you win some kind of award what, what would it be just curious yeah no that's such a good question um i could never see myself winning an award although it is it is on my future board so i mean i i guess have to take that back a little bit because I've identified it enough to put on my board. So a lot of times I'll put uh, big dreams on my board that I don't believe yet, but that whole process helps me kind of get there. Uh, New York Times bestseller list has always been the ultimate goal. I don't, but you know, it's, it's, I, I know that it's the story in my head that needs the change and that no matter what accolade we ever get, we never feel like we're there if we don't work on that story, you know? Mm. One thing I say in my workshops, I go, I go, do you know why you get, so I have people, I ask people, I move, I have them move their body. And the reason for that is it really gets, it really gets you out of your head and into your body. Right. And then they'll stop dropping, right. They'll be hot and sweaty and tired and annoyed at me. And, and I'll have them write down, you know, some bullshit stories and, which is really powerful. And then share them out loud, which is like scary and powerful and brave and, and then I'll have them rewrite them. And the rewriting them often feels corny because yeah. like, for example, you go, I'm not a real writer. And so I'll, I'll say, rewrite that, Sarah. And then you'll go, I am a real writer. And often people say it in like a voice, like a corny <laughs> voice. Yeah, when you first or, or someone like, like a big thing is I'm unlovable. Like so many people are walking around with that bullshit story. Yep. Um, and so they'll go, I am lovable. But so I think, why is it that it feels corny or weird or uncomfortable to rewrite it? But it 
doesn't. Yep. To tear it down. Or, because it's just habitual. It's just habitual, yeah. habitual, habitual, habitual. So one of the things I say is, and, and that's like everything, like you, it's just habit. You just, you keep getting up and doing the thing and it becomes a habit, right? So I say to people, why do you, you get to rewrite your bullshit story. Do you know why? And, and people are like, uh, cause you're not dead. Yeah. Real simple. Cause you're not dead. Cause you can't. Until you're dead, you can keep rewriting your story. So, like, why do we think? So, the I am not a writer, a real writer thing is just such an interesting one. It's like, okay, well, well, maybe you're not a reporter. Maybe you're yeah. not a journalist. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you're not a poet. I don't know. Maybe you are. Yeah. But it is so funny, like how we we put ourselves in these categories. It's like. Well, like you said, what is it going to take to get me into that category? What is it going to take to make me feel lovable, you know, versus saying I am lovable, you know, is it being in that first relationship where you feel like that person is really loving you and you're receiving love? It's, it's such an interesting thing. And you talk about manifesting too in, in your book a lot. And I love that because manifesting is a little bit my jam. Um, and you have people put on the wall, which I just think is so beautiful, like what they want to manifest. And, and I love how you said, then they take something for the other person and uh-huh. put it on their heart, which is so beautiful. Um, what have you maybe learned about manifesting over the, the years that you can kind of share with us? And, and like the biggest you- thing, the biggest thing, and I don't know whose quote this is, but maybe you manifested it or maybe it was white privilege. <laughs> mm. And that, it's, it's, it's funny because when I started this journey, like I said with Wayne Dyer, that's really how I got out of the restaurant and how I started eating workshops is I just mimicked his voice in my head, who I love, you know, mm. may he rest in peace. He's so my great teacher. But over the years, I've definitely um, gotten clear on a lot of things. Um, I, I do think I'm really good at making shit happen. That's how I, I define manifesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, you know, after after following a lot of black educators and people doing anti-racism work, I I heard that and I thought, holy fuck. <laughs> you know, so like so many things and it just made me rethink a lot of what I thought about mm-hmm. manifesting. Um I do know that when I began when I began to quiet my inner asshole and I, and, and a lot of that was with antidepressants. Yeah. Really. That's the truth. And that's not everyone's story. And I'm not saying everyone, you know, go run out and get Prozac. But for me, that was the thing that helped. And I just started um, sharing openly and honestly, vulnerably my, myself. I don't mean oversharing. I just mean like, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. Um, things started working in my favor, but I do think the, 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 the big thing is how may I serve? And the more I found myself being of service, the more I've manifested. It's not why I do it, but my God, it's a, it changes everything. Well, and it, it makes it, it makes it worth doing. I don't know how else to say that. That sounds stupid. I know, but like when I'm at a workshop and I'm connecting with someone and they're sharing, they're opening up their heart, you know, I'm opening up my heart and I leave there and I literally just have this full body like sensation of, I cannot believe that I get paid to do this. You know what I mean? Where it's like, it is the oh, most, absolutely. Yeah. Most, Same. 
if anyone's ever had an amazing hug, this is like a day long hug where you just feel, I can't explain it, but I think anyone feels like that who's truly doing whatever it is they love, whether, you know, it's playing basketball or making t-shirts or whatever. It's, it is so rewarding in a way that you just don't think anything should be that pays you, you know? Oh, it's, I, I feel the same way. I mean, and that's why I'm in, you know, grieving right now. And I was supposed to start a retreat on Saturday, two days ago, I think, at least track oh. of days, um, in France. Yeah. And um, I'm very much not in France. I'm in my bedroom in my underwear. And uh, I love what I do so much. And it really hit me not doing it, you know? But back to the manifesting thing it's like so the idea is i have people write on these sticky notes what they want what they want to manifest what they want in their life i let them you know whatever language works for you and they put it on a wall or window and everyone's is up there and all these different sticky colors and it's beautiful and then someone and then you go grab one that didn't belong to you but now it does you put it on your heart and you take it home with you and you want this for the person and so the thing I've, I've learned over the years, especially with things I wanted to manifest that didn't come true, is that the idea, like, to put it on the wall, I love it. It's because it's not, you're not saying you don't want it, but you're letting it go. You're not holding on so tightly. Yeah, yeah. And so the, the thing I think I've gotten really clear on is that one is not to hold on too tightly. Yep. And the, and the other thing really is the now what? So, so many times I would like sit and, and really I'd be like, I want to manifest this and that and that, but I wasn't doing shit. Yeah. I always you know? say, so it's like, I'm not going to show up at your door, people like get off your fucking couch, do something. You know, it's not, yeah. I don't know what I teach is definitely not the old school. I wish that I had a Mercedes. Oh, I walk out and there it is. Like, come on, man. <laughs> it doesn't work like that for anybody. But yeah. I also think like, it's, it's crazy how I, I always say, cause people will ask me like, when you're updating your board, you know, do you get rid of the pictures that don't, that haven't already manifested? And I'm like, no, because it's still coming. Like, I always feel like I don't own that timeline and I have stuff from a board 10 years ago that is still coming to life, you know? So I think when we can let go and let go of those timelines, let go of kind of some of our rigidity around how something is supposed to show up in our life, then we're open to like the magic of it. Cause there is magic yeah. in it. I think there's magic in it. You, you hit the nail on the head. And that's actually my next book. It's called, you know, it's about being right on time. I love that. You said, I don't own that timeline. Is that what, was that what you said? My next book is about timelines. And oh, it's like, that. yeah, because you know, look, I had a baby at 41, my book published at 44, you know, all these things that aren't um, traditional in quotes. And I, um, I want us all to know that we're right on time, you know? So, so many times I talk about that and I notice when I do, I get so many messages and people crying and like, Oh my God, I feel like you're speaking right to me specifically about, um, specifically about the timeline thing, specifically about there's no catching up to do. You're not behind. People feel like, Oh my God, thank you for saying that. Why does everyone feel behind? I still live in an apartment, you know, um, and I'm really honest about all these things because a, I'm not ashamed. And also I know it doesn't define me. And also because I, I do think that we don't, we convince ourselves we need more than we think we do. You know, that's not to say I wouldn't like another bedroom, but that's another story. Um, but 
the timeline thing is so interesting. So like, with, you're right with the manifest manifesting what you want in your life or what you think you want. It's like, you, we have no fucking clue when things are going to happen. And you're kidding yourself if you do. And it can come in so many different iterations. That's definitely something that I've noticed too. Like once you're open to the fact that like, <clears throat> I don't own this timeline. I just will be so grateful when this experience goes. Mommy, do you know where the paint box is? Oh my God, I want to give him a hug. Do you know where the paint box is? Paint box? What's a paint box? The paint box in the living room. You know where it is. I don't know. But I'm recording you a podcast. Know I played with it with you, you before. You mean this, the, the slime? No, 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 the, the other stuff. Paint. paint. Um, oh. Um, no, but I'll find it when I'm done. Okay. Okay. I love you. You're adorable. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I think you might need to leave, leave that in. <laughs> of course I'm going to leave it in. Are you crazy? Obviously <laughs> leaving it in. Um, I don't, like, welcome to my life. <laughs> Mommy, where's the paint box? Um, I think actually we threw it all away because he opens the paint and then he never puts the cap on it and then it all dries out, you know. Yeah. But yeah, it's like we never know when it's going to happen, what it's going to look like. And I love that when people ask you that if Don't you throw you it away, you say no. Don't you think so many times it's better than what our plan was anyway? Or like what we, what we had in mind? Yeah. Like, you know, I, I find so many times... I'll manifest something and I'm like, man, the universe has such a better imagination than me. All right. <laughs> like, I love that. Wow. You put something together. I had no idea. Like I couldn't have even dreamed that big, you know, it's. Well, yeah. And it's about trust, isn't it? I mean, and that's the big, big, big thing. Yep. But trust. And, and I just, I think that the more we embrace the unknown and not knowing the better off we'll be because the truth is no one, you know, we're kidding ourselves if we think we know how anything's going to turn out or what's going to happen. I mean, we could do it. We could do our best. Right. But well, and people always tell me too, they're like, well, how do you believe, you know, if you have all these big dreams, how do you believe it's going to happen? And I'll look at them. I'll be like, dude, if 1% of this comes true, I'm fucking doing pretty good. Like, <laughs> you know like if your dreams are exciting to you, literally how can you go into it going oh i might be disappointed like go into it being like if one of those shows up i'm fucking balling like my life is going in a right direction you know right exactly uh, the whole thing has to happen the way i plan or else i'm miserable no 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 like look at this as all the possibilities and be excited for when they show up and how they show up because that's the magical part as long as you're doing your part which is getting off the couch and putting some action behind it you know, like a book doesn't write itself. <laughs> we have to sit no, down. No, it doesn't. You know? Yep. You don't get to be an author without ever sitting down and killing yourself over the words on the laptop, you know? Yeah. And um, you, absolutely not. And then once, and then once you, you do the thing, then it's not ours anymore, right? Then you let it go. And then what's going to happen is going to happen. So that leads me to my last question. I love how honest you are in this book. I mean, I thought I was honest <laughs> and you are very honest. How, how did, and I'm sure you get this question a lot, but like, what's your process? Do you ever have like a threshold where you're like, 
should I say this? Should I not say this? Or do you recognize that and be like, if it's telling me not to say it, that's my clue to absolutely say it. You know, do you have any of that? Um, yeah, I kind of, I kind of think that's bullshit. Like when people are like, if you're afraid of it, then it, I mean, that's not, that, that's too blanket of a statement, you know? Um, I mean, yeah. And there's a ton of things that I don't share. That's what I love about being a memoirist or, or, creative nonfiction people think, you know, like they're reading my diary. It's like, no, that was very curated. And I, I chose what I share and I share things if, if I feel called to, or if I think in some way it's going to help someone else. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yesterday when I made that, I made a post about postponing my, um, you know, my book tour and especially around, around racism you know it's like oh man I'm gonna say the wrong thing and and I posted it anyway and I was afraid but um I think that the bigger question is like is checking in with ourselves and going why why am I afraid and if it's I'm afraid of what people will think then I would say do it anyway. Now, look, not everybody can do that. Some people have a, have a certain job or they, or, or like, you know, they have children that they don't want to know something, you know, it, that's why I say those kind of things are too much right. of a blanket yeah. statement to say, Oh, well, if you're scared, you need to write it. Yeah. I don't always agree with that, but um, I think it is, it is, it can be scary to share yourself who you really are. Um, and it helps to read people's work who've done it before. Yeah, it does. It sure. really does. I was reading your stuff and I was like, she's still alive. <laughs> she said all these things. And yeah. she's still alive. You know, because when you're doing it, like, oh my God, if I reveal this part of myself, that will kill me. Or, you know, that's the thing no one is going to forgive me for saying. Or, you know, I don't know. There's a, I know a lot of listeners are going to resonate with that because I get so many questions about it myself. Well, know? and... I also think I really can't stress this enough. You know, it's not, and it's not about like oversharing or shock value. It's not like, well, I'm going to say the most, you know, like I was raped or something. And, and then it's, it's not about that. It's, it's, it's about um, telling the truth. Exactly. Yeah. And, and about that. Yeah. And also we don't all, you don't owe it to the world to share everything about yourself either. People get really confused about that. It's like, you don't, you get to share what you want to share. Yep. Exactly. No. And I love that you put that on your feed the other day, how, Hey, whether you like it or not, this is who I am. This is what I'm sharing. And I was like, Oh my God, that happens to me all the time where people will DM me and say, Hey, I bought your book. So therefore you shouldn't say that, you know, you should really not get in, into politics. That's not a good look. I'm like, bitch, if you knew me, you knew I've been posting about this stuff for 10 years. I didn't just get into politics. I didn't just get into being um, upset about the racism in our country. It's like, that isn't new for me. You're just new following me. So, and you're 10. I mean, people, thank God no one said that to me before. I mean, they just unfollow me. Or, I mean, they said other things, but thank God no one said, like, I read your book. You shouldn't oh post this. I mean, really? All the time. It's like, wait, so you spent $10 on Amazon, therefore you own me? Like, it just blows my mind. <laughs> like, seriously? Or, you, yeah, you shouldn't talk. Politics is a real funny one, but. Yeah. It's, it, people are crazy. But you just have, it comes with territory, I guess, right? Oh, well, yeah. And, and the more 
the more you put yourself out there, the bigger your platform gets, the more of a public figure you become, just in terms of numbers, the more bullshit you're going to get. And, you know, it's just like, be okay with it. Once in a while, I get hooked and I get offended and I get upset and I let it for however long it's going to be, an hour a day. And it's like, a sp- you know, whatever. You know, every once in a while someone says something and it lands in a certain mm-hmm. way. Yep. But like that kind of bullshit, it's like, move on, delete. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for being so honest and putting it out there and being a voice for so many of the different things that you've been through in your life, because I know it resonates with so many people. And I wish to God my mother, who has clinical um, bipolar depression, had gone on medication. Like, I would love to be able to have this conversation with her where she's like, it helped me. I can be better. You know what I mean? So I love that you're yeah. Open. Yeah. And you're sharing all the the different things that you are because I think we need that and we need to know that like perfect is a bullshit story. (laughs) No one Yeah, and you know what, Sarah? I mean, I remember so listeners, when I when I got out of the restaurant, the way I got out was becoming a yoga teacher and I and I and then I used Facebook to leverage, you know, to really get successful as a yoga teacher. I hustled like a motherfucker. Um, but I remember being so afraid, um, I was writing blogs. And, I, and one day I thought, I don't want to write. This is not what I want to be doing. I'm only writing these things to try to get people to come to my class. And finally I thought, I'm going to write, like, I really want to write, which is poetry and essays. And and I did. And then I thought, what if I like tell the truth about things? And I thought, well, then no one will come to my yoga classes or my workshops. And so I, I hid for a while. And then I, I don't know, one day I just said, fuck it. And I did. And the opposite happened. Yeah. The opposite happened. And the, and the, the epiphany I had around that was that so often the things that we hide or we're ashamed of are the things that people need or, or love about us. Yes. Because they feel like they can't say it yet. And a lot of people can't yet, you know, but if someone else says it, then they don't feel so alone and then they can get to the place where maybe they can, you know? So like, that's that's what I got so strongly from your book and was just so encouraged by. Um, the book, guys, is on being human. You absolutely have to read it if you haven't. Um, and it's coming out in paperback this week, right? Paperback June 16th, yeah. So it would be really helpful if everyone listening could pre-order yeah, the paperback. I, I, <laughs> I postponed the book launch because of, you know, I just, I just want to give all attention right now to Black Lives Matter. And, um, and, I, and I thought, you know what? My book's going to be here. I'll be fine. Yes. And so, going to go pre-order it. I'll put the links and stuff in the show notes. Thank you. And, and I love you so much. Thank you. Love you. Thank you so much. Do this and have this conversation with me. I just, I love everything you're doing. I Thank got you. so much out of it too. Like, um, you don't, what, what was it? The quote, I don't own this timeline? No. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, you go back and listen. Well, but, listen to it. Yeah, I'll send it to you. <laughs> but that's, <laughs> Yeah, and by the, way, by the way, I put on my future board that I want to go to your Italy retreat because Italy is my jam. That's where I plan on retiring when my kids are in college. Like, that's my whole everything. So, Me I mean, it's and hug you're coming. in Italy. <laughs> I can't wait. I All right, it. my love. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much for being here. Go buy the book, guys. 
Thanks for listening. And remember, if you got value from today's show, please spread the love by clicking subscribe, leaving a stellar review, and telling everyone you know. And join us next time on The Sarah Centrella Show.